Nothing better than some good fucking hydration. Let's see the pH. 9.5 or higher pH? Yeah, sure. Probably get it out of the fucking gas station bathroom for all we know. Episode 16. We are back. It's Wednesday. And supposed to be leaving for ADCC trials tomorrow, and that got fucked up. I got fucked up my last practice, pulled my goddamn groin out. Uh, physical therapist says it's four weeks before I can get back to live training. He's like, you could go and try to do it, but then you tear it real bad, then you're out for a long time. And the trials don't pay anything. Uh, training sugar does, so I got to stay healthy for that and pay the bills. But another shot in April. So uh, we'll get back to that. Yeah, me and Jax were supposed to leave tomorrow, but that just got fucked up. Fucked up. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so I'm just healing it up. This morning got a little uh, elliptical, a little bike, a little light lift. Uh, lost some wagers on Call of Duty. Fucking pissed me off, dude. <laughs> pissed me off. But still, healthy as fuck. Other than that. Man, injuries are a fucking bitch, dude. I always think, though, and I don't know where this came from, but I always think when something bad happens, like, I think, okay, what's the best mindset to have? If someone were to ask me, hi, Mara, if someone were to ask me, hey, what's your advice on this? So I try to do that myself. Like, I ask myself, okay, what's your advice? What should I do? I get this fucking injury and it's easy to just be depressed and mope around and want to stuff your face and do a bunch of unhealthy shit. But I'm like, I forgot who I heard it from, but I thought it was a good, a good uh, mindset to have is like the work ethic you have, say in jujitsu or the wrestling room or whatever you're doing. When you get injured, put that work ethic into healing your injury. Um... Yeah, doing what you got to do. And my physical therapist was working on me yesterday, and I was asking about PRP and about needling and about cupping. And he said, he's like, there's no real hacks to like a muscle groin injury like that. There's nothing that's just going to speed up the process besides eating good, sleeping good, and staying hydrated. And fuck, we've been sleeping like 10 hours a night, Umrah. Yeah, you've been sleeping a lot. 10 hours. Feels good. Feels fucking good. Yeah, so. Because I get up with Hazel. Yeah, you do. I, I, every time you do, I, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Because Hazel, our new puppy, she wakes up maybe, what, once or twice a night? Yeah, usually she was being good and waking up not till 5.30, but the last two nights she woke up at 3.30, then 6.30, then I just get up. Yeah. Because who knows? Who knows? A year from now, you could possibly have a pregnant belly. Who knows? We'll see. Maybe. Or I shoot duds. Forever. No. Um, yeah. What else we been up to? We been uh, we watched the Holy Hell documentary. Where'd you hear that one? From Joe Rogan? Yeah, he was looking at buying their like building, their theater building for his comedy store, but it didn't go through. So he, then he found out that that's what it was. So he was going to buy the... Uh, the theater where they did their plays. And turn it into a comedy store? Mm-hmm. Damn, and he found out this. Yeah, after. It didn't go through because there was other problems with the building or whatever. It's crazy. This guy, he has all these... He went by all these different names. It's a... Holy Hell is a 2016 American documentary film by Will Allen about his experiences as a member of a Buddha field cult for 22 years. The cult's leader who has several names but is typically called Michelle. 
<laughs> is claimed to have abused his followers. The film uses footage Alan shot during the Alan shot during his capacity as the group's videographer and new footage of interviews with former members of Group of Hawaii. What was that on Hulu? I think it was on Prime. Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's just a trippy documentary. This guy must have a good well, they talked about it. He spoke really good. Um, he spoke really soft and he just he just commanded respect from people, which is crazy. Well, he was like smart. Like he spoke a bunch of languages and he like all these people were searching for like the meaning of life and he gave them that and he was the only one that could make them enlightened and then they had to do their service, which was pretty much just do all his stuff for him. Or suck his wiener or lick his b-hole. Then it turned into that, yeah. But it's, it was just the guys. So he was just uh, a homosexual. Yeah. So he wasn't fucking the chicks? No. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, because at the beginning of the documentary, you're like, damn, look at this little community they're growing. And uh, same thing with the, um, what was the one in Portland? Wild, that wild Osho country. One? Mm-hmm. Osho. What did he do? I never even finished it. Like, what was fucked up about him? Was he fucking chicks? I don't think he was. Yeah, he was. Was he? I'm pretty sure. Now, what's wrong with that? Now, what's wrong with that? No, I think he. I think he actually was too. But what did he do at the end of that doc, the Osho one? Like, how did he fuck up or what? Well, his worker. I don't know. I I, I forgot. But his worker, remember, exposed him and quit and. Well, the lady, she, like, was trying to... They, like, poisoned, like, a whole, like, food bar in Portland and stuff. And they were just taking things, like, really far. They start out good and they have this little community and they have good good intentions. Mm -hmm. But then these leaders, I feel like they're so invincible and they have so much control over these people. And then just like an average male with fucking TMS, they just start fucking people. And well, and they take advantage it of it because those people look up to them so much. Yeah. And that they think that that's what they have to do to get this enlightenment or whatever. Yeah. And good, then also, like, show. maybe he was sleeping with the girls. I don't remember because remember that one girl said that he made her get an abortion? A couple times, yeah. It's amazing back in that day, back before. So literally before in the 1980s and before... You could tell people you are whatever you want them to think. You could just get away with whatever. No fucking internet. Nowadays, as soon as someone says, I'm a professional this, I'm a professional this, I'm a, I'm a leader in this, they'll Google it. Google it. But he's like, still nope, going on this day to today. Remember, they're in Hawaii and he's still going? Yeah. And, and so people could watch this documentary and see it, that they don't care. And some of the people didn't leave. Like, they're still with him. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's crazy. And he Literally, that's, his name again. that's not that long ago. 1980s and before, you could get away with saying whatever you want. And people just, they either believe it or they don't. It's fucking wild. Wild, wild. You know, another interesting one was uh, uh, this uh, article I, I read about Pablo Picasso. He's one of the most famous artists, artists of the 20th century and household name, even among people who, like myself, consider themselves to be complete novices in the art world. Um, I recently went to Pablo Picasso's exhibition. What impressed me the most was not an individual piece of art, but rather his remarkably prolific output. Researchers have cataloged 26,000 pieces of art created by Picasso, and some people believe the total number is closer to 50,000. 
When I discovered that Picasso lived to be 91 years old, I decided to do the math. Picasso lived for a total of 33,400 days with with 26,000 published works. That means Picasso averaged one new piece of art work every day of his life from age 20 until his death at age 91. He created something new every day for 71 years. Um... Yeah, what made Picasso so great was just not how much art he produced, but how, also how he produced it. Um, so you think, oh man, this Picasso, what a fucking talented dude. Falling in love with Picasso was a terrible thing to do. His first marriage was to a woman, Olga, and they had one child together. The two separated after she discovered that Picasso was having an affair with a 17-year-old girl named Mary. He was 45 years old at the time. Picasso fathered a child with Walter, but moved on to other lovers a few years later. He began dating an art student named Francois. She was 23-year-old, 23, and Picasso was 63. Gilot and Picasso had two children together, but their relationship ended when Picasso began yet another affair, this time with a woman who was 43 years younger than him. After they separated, Gilot published a book called Life with Picasso. Picasso, which revealed his long list of sexual flings and sold over one million copies. Out of revenge, Picasso refused to see their children ever again. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. I'm not talking to those kids anymore. Poor kids. Basically, Picasso's romantic life was a revolving door of affairs and infidelity. In the words of our guide at the Picasso exhibit, there were always many others. There must have been something intoxicating about Picasso because after his death, not one but two of his lovers committed suicide due to their grief. Yeah, that's crazy. Many, many qualities that make people great have shadow sides as well. Picasso's singular focus on art meant that everything else in life had to take a back seat, including his relationships and his children. Most humans have primary relationship with, love, with their lover and maintain a variety of hobbies and interests during off periods. Picasso was the reverse. His primary relationship was with art, while his lovers were hobbies, like past hobbies and passing interests, things he experimented with for a period of time. Yeah, that's cr that's crazy. But to do shit at the fucking highest level and be the greatest ever at it, man, you got to be fucking selfish. It's like literally all about you and that thing. Um we're talking about the myth of multitasking. Um yeah, and how multitasking isn't really a good thing. How to focus and increase your attention span. Um, the myth of multitasking. Technically, we're capable of doing two things at the same time. It's possible, for example, to watch TV while cooking dinner or to answer an email while talking on the phone. What is impossible, however, is concentrating on two tasks at once. You're either listening to the TV and the overflowing pot of pasta in the background or you're tending to the pot of pasta and the TVs in the background. During any single instant, you're concentrating on one or the other. Multitasking forces your brain to switch your focus back and forth very quickly from one task to another. This wouldn't be a big deal if the human brain could transition seamlessly from one job to the next, but it can't. Um, yeah, I can't multitask. And people are like, what the fuck, Tim? Are you fucking a tard? Which nothing wrong with tards. But can you multitask? When I'm doing something, when I'm typing an email or I'm reading an article or I'm texting someone and someone else is talking to me, it's like I'm not comprehending what they're telling me because I'm involved in what I'm doing. I can, but I, I do realize like how you're saying, like if you're whatever emailing and you're trying to have a conversation with someone, like I'm not fully invested into 
either. Like I'm trying to be in between, but it's never like a hundred percent at one thing, you know. So I try to be better at that. Even if it's just like if I'm watching a movie or something, I'll try not to like I'll put my phone away, you know. So I'm not like scrolling while I'm watching. So I digest the movie. Or like you said, like you're cooking, just concentrate on cooking. Because it's hard, like, if you do cooking, and even if you're listening to a podcast, you're, like, not trying listening to, to it, you know what really. I mean? Yeah. Mariah, you seem to multitask a lot, but you're maybe better at it than I am. I think girls in general are better at multitasking. And I don't know if it's because you're meant, to, like, you're supposed to have babies, you know? So, like, you have to multitask when you have a baby and kids, and there's a million things going on. I feel like I have a lot to do every day. And some things that I do don't need a lot of, like, brain power, so I can multitask during those things. But if it's, like, something important, then I'm going to try not to. But yeah. even, like, when I cook and stuff, I'll have a podcast going, and I'm, like, you'll think I'm not listening, and then I'll just repeat exactly what they say. Yeah. Yeah, but I always think, too, like, is driving around, doing an activity, cleaning doing whatever you're doing and listening to an audiobook is that as efficient as sitting there and reading the book um i think i don't think so well i think it just depends on how you get information cuz everyone's different some people are like visual learners some people are audible learners some people like it's easier for me to listen to something and i think just because i've done it over the last 5 6 7 years so much that when i sit down to read um I get, like, more distracted, but I've gotten better about it. I've just never been a big reader, and I think I comprehend it better if I listen to it. I can focus on it. Hmm. Yeah, Naval says, listening to books instead of reading them is like drinking your vegetables instead of eating them. Which a lot of people do. Yeah, you're still getting you're getting some of the nutrients, but you're just not getting all of it, which is pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, what else? Okay, what else, what else? Neil Strauss, what does he say? He says, relationships in which people restrict one another eventually fall apart. Do you concur? Oh, yeah. Those probably resentment builds. And I think a majority of relationships do that, where they restrict one another from doing shit, from doing shit they want. Um... Dude, I hope Colby Covington wins. Did you see his post, this interview? I didn't see this interview. <laughs> I, I love that he calls Chemayev, come shot Chemayev. <laughs> what? Come funny. shot. He calls him come shot. Why is he calling him out? Because he's a welterweight yeah. and Chemayev's on the up and coming. Oh. Uh, that's this weekend. I'm pumped. I fucking, people are, everyone's counting out Colby. I know, but he, Colby went to a new gym, MMA Masters, and that's a re, that's a good fucking gym, dude. It's a good gym with. They brought up Ricardo Ramos, who's Ricardo Ramos was a sick fighter. Um, he probably has a lot of attention towards him, just like he talked about American Top Team. He was a, I mean, there's so many pros. There's probably over a hundred pros there, and I don't know the exact amount of coaches, but there's probably like a handful of coaches, maybe. And when a coach is, when a coach is, you have, when a coach is coaching one fighter and thinking about it, going home and thinking about what they can do to improve that guy, or they have time to think about that fighter before the workouts and then just really kind of decide what the plan is compared to, 
I'm a coach and I have 25 fighters under me. So I'm going to go run this practice and it's not, every, every fighter needs different, different needs. They need to improve in different areas. So I think, man, I think he could come out and look really fucking good. But Usman is a real freak show, dude. I would love to see Colby get it done. Imagine Colby gets it done. He's the welterweight champ. Everyone wants to watch him fight. And they want to watch him get beat up. A lot of people, a lot of people are fans of him. But I would love to see him win. Kamara was such a motherfucker, though, dude. But who do you think will win? I think Colby could win. That's what I'm saying. I think Colby could win. He's going to come out. Man, who do I think? It's just so hard. That top level, it's like who shows up that day? Who who rehydrates the best? Who uh, got through camp with the least amount of injuries? Um, same thing with the Chandler Gaethje fight. It's like that's anyone's day. Who shows up on that day in that 15 minutes? The fight could be different if it played out 10 times. Oh, one guy could win, the other guy could win, the other guy could win. Just that 15 minutes is just going to be interesting. Um, what about Rose? Some someone was tam telling me at the gym yesterday because Wei Li has been training at Fight Ready. Oh really? And after she got knocked out by Rose, someone w they were saying that her chin's been pretty weak, and their ch her chin's been weak in sparring too. That's just a rumor going around. So I got Rose. Yeah, I'd like to see her get her done too. Now um, we did a little Q and A for the the Patreons. Did you eat anything this morning or no? Um, I made a shake before I left. Oh uh, yeah. By the way, on Patreon already in November, this I've already put up six different videos. Um, taking the back properly. People think you just jump on the back, throw your hooks in, and you're gonna choke them out. You got to do it properly. Getting the hooks, part two for MMA and jujitsu. Keeping the back, maintaining the back, keeping the back drill, part two. Mat returns when wrestlers are standing up or MMA guys are standing up. They need to get up, bringing them back down to the mat. And then another video, part two of that. So shit's going up on Patreon. I'm going to keep it going up. Um, okay, Q&A for Patreon. Boom, 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 boom. Nicola, best adv advice for gaining weight for a skinny person with a fast metabolism. <sighs> Dude, add a shake or add two shakes a day. You can just fill those with calories. You can put a banana in. You can put a big scoop full of peanut butter or almond butter. You can put a bunch of berries, protein, a big handful of spinach, um, chia seeds. You can put in... Um, hemp seeds you can put in all different kind of just superfoods that's going to add probably a make it a 500 calorie 600 calorie shake you have those twice a day now you got 1200 calories twice a day and they're good as fuck they're like smoothies and then you're eating those with or drinking those with your meals a good way to just get more calories and put on the weight but i think everyone struggles with that getting enough protein throughout the day i know i do it's hard to get the amount of protein you're supposed to get just to maintain the muscle you got. It's hard. Um, Kevin, a Virgo, when you feel off track, how do you dial it, dial back in mentally? Appreciate the wisdom. 
Uh, yeah, I just think let yourself get off track a little bit. That's why that's why it's easy once you have your your like your goals of what you want to do dialed in. Dialed in and you know what you want to do whether it's training for a tournament whatever whatever goals it is and then learning the process to get to those and then loving the process of it. So it's like for the shit that I'm doing, for the shit I'm doing, I love grappling so much so it's easy for me to go to practice because I love going to practice. And uh, I love I love just working out. I love training with the boys. I love being in there. And I, I love the process of just getting ready. I think getting good at anything or having your goals, just falling in love with the process of doing it is the is the good part compared to be like, oh, I'm going to be happy when I get there. I'm going to be happy when I get to this goal. Or I'm going to be happy um, when that comes. Yeah, but Sunday I write down. I write down the main shit. If I get this shit done during the week, that's going to be a good fucking week regardless of what happens. Yeah, so it's just easy to keep it dialed in when you write it down and you can see it compared to just like, oh, what should I do today? How am I feeling? So what am I going to do today? Yo, JX, when are we going to see you scrap? Do you train striking right now? No, I don't drink striking. I mean, eventually I do want to, but I feel like I'm just focused on getting good as fuck at jiu-jitsu right now. Yeah. I want to get, like, do MMA, like, eventually. But not. I don't think I'd ever take a fight. It's just not in my desires. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice, too, doing jiu-jitsu, getting good at jiu-jitsu, getting good in the gi, getting good in the no-gi, but then knowing some basics on your feet, too. Knowing some basics to where it's like, oh, shit, this motherfucker is bullying this person and I need to help this person. And now we're going to square up and we're squared up and we're about four or five, four feet, three feet away. And now I got to fight this guy. I got to have some good fundamentals with my stand up to grab a hold of him, get him to the ground and get to business. Andrew Elgin. What are some key things Takino teaches you that enters your mind every day in the gym? Uh, I don't know. At the, at the point I'm at, it's just like we're working in just little small details from each little position. Um, yeah, just just being solid, working on those small details. Like, yeah, there's nothing crazy that comes up to mind there. Do you guys have lucid dreams? What are the dreams you can remember? What are lucid dreams? When you know that you're dreaming in your dream. Oh fuck. Some sometimes do you? Yeah, I've had I've had that a while ago. I have a couple times and like wet dreams ever. I've had that. <laughs> I've yeah. had that and I've woke up. I'm like fuck. Yeah. I want to go back and fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because like when you're dreaming, you're just like, I realize that I'm in a dream. But when I realize too much, when I'm too aware that I'm in a dream, I'll just wake up. Like my, my body does or my mind doesn't want me to know that I'm dreaming in some weird way. But <laughs> it's weird when you like realize it. You're like, oh, well, I can change it. But yeah. if it's like a bad dream, like, you're like, but it's just a dream. But it just, like, keeps yeah. going. And I like, yeah. keep telling myself, it's just a dream. But it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll, like, I'll think I'll wake up. But it's like a dream within a dream. And mm, I'm still dreaming. Yeah. It's like weird as fuck. Damn. happened to me. Yeah, I think you dream less when you smoke weed. Isn't that, like, proven or something? Yeah. Let me Google it. It's so weird just, like... When I smoke my joints before bed or I smoke a bag of smoke before bed or doing dabs before bed, it's just, it's so weird. There's just all so different. The highs are so different. 
the like, volcano highs are just they seem so clean you you smoke the volcano or you smoke a bag and you're just not fucking just like uh, compared to like a bong rip which sometimes you crave a bong rip where you just go <laughs> and just black out which one you like the best all of them i'm just kidding I don't even yeah. smoke. Anissa <laughs> always smokes. Like, Does she bongs? Yeah. No, not bongs. She just rolls up a J or she has a little pipe. But that's it. Damn. What do you right say here, about dreaming though? Cannabis is known to suppress REM sleep. While smoking the substance, people tend not to have nor remember their dreams. This leads to their dreams being more intense after someone stops using mm-hmm. it. So, Like if you smoke a lot and then you stop, you usually have like crazy dreams or you'll have dreams like earlier in the morning when like the weed wears off. Yeah. So Tim never never dreams now (laughs) because you always go to sleep high. I'm just not a dreamer. (laughs) Don't dream. I haven't been recently. When I when I was training stuff, I mean for this for this tournament, I was wasn't smoking in the nights, but now I'm just like fuck it, just blast off. Yeah, some um, some people will try to get good at lucid dreaming. It's weird. Like, there's like technique. really, yeah. They, uh, I, I remember I was looking into it because like, it's supposed to be like as soon as you wake up, write down what you remember, and then like people go with the intention of like lucid dreaming. Like they just want to dream while they know that they're dreaming. So they just I don't are know, they think their dreams shit. are like trying to tell them something. I don't even know. It's, like, it's weird. fucking crazy when yeah. you wake up and you're like, damn, I'm, I remember remember that dream, and a couple hours later you don't. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Where'd that go? Um, Billy, is sugar naturally amp- ambidextrous so he could strike from both sides easily from the start or he to learn that throughout training? He's always switched his stances just naturally. Yeah, he's been developing his straight left for a long time and his straight left is probably more powerful than his right hand right now. Uh, but yeah, he's been switching stances and being athletic since he was a teenager. Pierre. Guesstimate how many times you've had sex total in a lifetime. Fuck, that's hard to guesstimate. Just like sex total. Five thousand maybe? I don't know. That is a hard question. Yeah, it's just so hard. Probably a thousand. <laughs> a thousand? Anything? <laughs> More than that, I would say. Damn, hey. big red. Big dad. You're older, that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Um, in your and Mariah's opinion, Angus, what is the best way about bringing up conversations around having a more free relationship with someone? Is it more how you went about where you're with your girl for a while and establish a solid relationship slash trust, or how Sean went about it where you make your intentions clear at the very start? Mariah? Yep. Me? <laughs> That's what he asked. And yours and Mariah's. Okay, you want me to go? I think it just depends on every person. Yeah, and how closed-minded that girl is. Her parents could be closed-minded and say, hey, when you're in a relationship, this is the way it is. This is the way the man should act. These are the rules for the man, and these are the rules for the woman. Or you could be like, you know what, fuck that. Let's make our own rules that work out for us best and make either person not feel fucking suffocated and maybe maybe you can talk about that or taking advantage of yeah taking advantage of what do you mean don't let like make her take feel taken advantage of like you guys can come up with the rules where you both agree on what is good for you yeah 
Yep. And it doesn't have to be like anybody else's. Yeah, exactly. But that's, I think it just takes the just bringing up like different types of conversations too, like working on your communication because it's probably not going to go good the first time. Well, yeah, you bring up anything about something, you just automatically bring that on yourself. Like, oh, why am I not good enough? Mm-hmm. And bring your insecurities come out. Why am I not good? Why, why do they want this? Why do they want this? Explain to them that's not the fucking reason. Yeah, but it's hard. Everyone's so different. Every fucking girl, every guy is just their their conditioned so much different. What worked for us maybe won't wouldn't work for you. So it's hard to say. But there's so many good good books out there. Um, Esther Perel, so many relationship people that you can learn from that. Yeah, Esther Perel's really good, and just like working on your just everyday conversations and having deeper conversations that maybe don't have to do with like freedom in your relationship, and that will help like bring you guys closer and be able to talk about harder things. Yeah. Um, any tips for keeping a strong relationship with someone in in a long distance relationship? Damn, that's another one. It's like, fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't got any fucking tips. Well, like, when we were apart, like, it's, um, like, maybe we knew it's only a couple months or three months, and then, like, okay, I'm going to come visit this day, so, like, look forward to that. And talking every day and just um, still just, I don't know, communicating with each other. And having, like, okay, I'm going to be gone this long. So then you have those days to, like, look forward to when you get to see each other. And Yeah. Um, Amago. When rolling in BJJ, it prefers to go slow to have a better sense of control and position. I prefer to keep a position over hunting a, for a submission. However, I often lose to guys that go 100%. I've considered matching their pace, but I feel like that's not the best way to learn and improve. Am I wrong or should I step it up? You know, there's different types of training. There's training where you're training for a competition to where it's like, no, I'm going to win. I'm going in here to win every role because I'm training for a competition. And there's times when you're not training for a competition where you're like, okay, I'm in here to learn. I'm going to try this new guard. God, these guys keep passing my guard. I got my guard passed 100 times because I'm trying to do this new new guard, maybe double sleeves. I keep getting my guard passed, but I'm working on it. So the different types of training, train for a tournament or just training to get better. But if you're going with people, you got to match their pace. If you don't just match their pace and you try to be all soft at the beginning, you're going to get ran over. Sometimes you got to match people's pace. And if they're fucking bringing it, you bring it too. But I think controlling the position is good. You see the best guys in the world do that. They control the position. They don't just go in there and just flop around for a submission. I guess depending on what rule set, but... Usually those good dominant positions in a fight lead to you beating them up or in jiu-jitsu lead to you submitting them. Oh, Connor Scott, how long of a gap do you try to leave between smoking and vaping going to sleep? God, it just differs, dude. It's like if I'm, if I'm trying to go ultimate health, I try to stop, maybe smoke a little bit on the way home from the gym. Um, I sleep, I feel my best when I don't smoke. I think. But I've been sleeping pretty good with that fucking vaporizer too. Um but last couple days I've just been smoking right before bed. Chase Davis, when you elaborate on submission over points and vice versa. Yeah, points 
they reward you for advancing, like, okay, I'm almost past the guard, or I'm almost taking the back, you get advantages for that, or I almost took him down, but I didn't quite, you get advantages for that. You get real points for passing the guard into a dominant position. I'm in full guard into side control. Boom, I stuck it. I get three points. In a fight, I can punch them from there. They can't do shit to me. I mount the guy. I get four points. Another thing, in a fight, I could punch him, beat his ass. There's a bunch of submissions there for me, none for him. So you get rewarded for that. Take the back, both hooks. Again, in a fight, you're beating him up. Um, in jiu-jitsu, you can submit him. There's no submissions for them. Maybe a couple where you're crossing your feet or something. So the points you get rewarded for good positions and dominating pretty much compared to uh, submissions, you just go and submit them. And so it's like submission only is pretty sweet, but then the submission only too, it's like it's a little bit not that realistic sometimes because submission only a lot of guys that like foot locks, heel hooks, I mean, they can win, I guess, in that, that rule set, but real life, Someone's on bottom in you, I mean, on bottom, maybe in 50-50, attacking a heel hook, they're getting fucking their head bounced off the concrete or head bounced off the, the canvas. So that's the difference. Is Trevor Whitman the best coach in the UFC? I don't know. I've never been coached by him, but obviously he's, he's, he's pretty good. I think he's more of a, I guess, a, like, yeah, a striking coach. He's a striking coach, but... I don't know. He's got some good fucking fighters. He's probably really good at what he does. Obviously, look at Camaro. Look at Justin Gaethje against Tony Ferguson. Looked fucking great. Rose fucking cracking. So best coach in the UFC. Hard to say that, but I, he's obviously really good. Robert, how often do you think it's wise to have tolerance breaks from Reed from weed? I have an exam next week, and I've been vaporizing in the crafty. Most days for the last few months. I want to stop, clear my head before the exam, but don't know if it's worse to have withdrawal symptoms. Just wondering about your experiences with, with, with withdrawal symptoms, how long they last, how often and how long after stopping that you usually experience them. I don't know. I've never had withdrawals. Like, ugh. I think the only thing really is like maybe for like two nights or something, you don't like fall asleep as fast. But then once you stop, like, you actually sleep better for me. Yeah, me too. But also, it's like I'm not smoking fucking when I wake up, just getting blasted off. Mm -hmm. And then an hour and a half later, getting blasted off, hour and a half later, getting blasted off. I think you smoke like that, I think you'd have withdrawals. Yeah, but I don't smoke that much. Twice, three times a day. It's hard to say. I don't know. It's always fun to spark up a little bit. Uh, Luke, when is the last time you pooped your pants? <laughs> uh, Yesterday. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> uh, probably in wrestling. You pooped your pants? I wouldn't say poop, just a little bit shart. of... Shart. <laughs> you sharted? Yeah, a little shart, shart. Are you serious? Uh, what happened? No. <laughs> <laughs> he said no. <laughs> I've never uh, heard this story. <laughs> real tell the story. I don't know. There's a, there's a bunch of different stories. Oh! Damn. Not a bunch. You get, know, you've you all pooped, pooped your, pa your pants I've and you won't talk about it. I've never pooped my pants. Liar. No, I haven't. Not since I was a toddler. Not since I was in my diapers. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> Poopy butt. <laughs> um, no, I want to hear this wrestling story. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. You you think it's a fart and it's not, and little shit comes out with it. <laughs> That's all that happens. <laughs> so gross. Went in for a double. Yeah. <laughs> Stubborn. Ew. A1 Billionaire's Enterprise. What was your first thought today? Probably a help Mariah comes and gives me a BJ. <laughs> Let's get this money. <laughs> yes, yeah, get this money, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jober Red. Hope it's not too late, but I'm having trouble balancing my hobbies and interests. Wait, you didn't ask Jax what his first thought was. What was yours? I said, let's get this money. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Spring out of bed. Yeah. Mine was, uh, okay, I'm coming, Hazel. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jober Red. It's not too late, but I'm having trouble balancing my hobbies and interests. I was wondering if you have any advice on consolidating the stuff you enjoy doing. I'm a bit afraid of falling into a jack-of-all-trades. And a master type of none. Dude, go to this fucking site, jamesclear.com slash focus. He has all these fucking articles on, like full page articles. What is focus? Why can't I focus? The myth of multitasking. Warren Buffett's two-list strategy for focused attention. How to focus and increase your intention span. Measure your results. Focus on the process, not the event. Concentration and focus. Mind hacks. How to improve concentration. Where to go from here. A fuckload of focus articles. And they're really smart people writing them. So read some of those. Dial it in. Warren Buffett's is good. As you write, write, write down. Step one, Buffett started asking the pilot named uh, Mike Flint to write down his top 25 career goals. So Flint sub- took some time and wrote them down. Note, you could also complete this exercise with goals for a shorter timeline. For example, write down the top 25 things you want to accomplish this week. Then Buffett asked Flint to review his list and circle his top five. Again, Fl- Flint took some time, made his way through the list, and eventually decided on his top five most important goals. At this point, Flint had two lists. The five items he had circled were list A, and the 20 items he had circled were list B. Flint confirmed that he would start working on his top five goals right away. That's when Buffett asked him about the second list. And what about the ones you didn't circle? Flint replied, well, the top five are my primary focus. The other 20 come in a close second, but they're still important, so I'll work on those intermittently as I see fit. To which Buffett replied, no, you've got it wrong, Mike. Everything you didn't circle... Just became your avoid-at-all-costs list. No matter what, these things get no attention from you until you've succeeded with your top five. Decent little method there from uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, What else you guys got? What else you guys got? Favorite mentors. Favorite mentors for you, Jay. And I think think mentors... I think... You don't have to, you can have a mentor without meeting them. I've had a lot of fucking different ones, That's what dude. I was thinking. I was like. Yeah. I mean, it's always best, I feel, to have like an in-person mentor. Because it's like real life feedback. Yeah. Versus like a book or an audio or a podcast. You can kind of just pick whatever resonates with you best. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, yeah. Yeah, there's just so fucking many, dude. There's so many people you can. You can follow and get good information. For me, probably learned a shitload from Tim Ferriss and the interviews he's done. Paul Check learned a shitload from. Um, obviously, Takino. Um, I've had I've had some good coaches in my life, and I've I've a uh, Naval. Um, 
Anthony DeMello, all these guys, I would say, are kind of mentors, I guess, and I've never met them. Met them. Another thing we were, uh, I was reading about, yeah, it's just like coaching, coaching based on what the athlete wants to do, and hopefully your jiu-jitsu coach is like that. Like maybe there's a lot of people in the jiu-jitsu gym in practice that uh, that just want to come work out and be around people and have a sweat. They don't really care that much about getting good at jujitsu. Well, I guess they care about getting good, but that's not their main focus. And then there's the other spectrum where it's like, these guys are doing this for their, they want to be world champions. They want to be black belts and maybe open their academy when they're older. So those coaches, I think coaches need to figure out that with their, with their uh, students and be like, okay, what, what's your goals? Well, okay. Your goals to be a world champion, your goals to get really good. Then this is what I expect from you. I expect from you to come in, drill for real, not chat about your day, not chat about everything, drill for real, and then roll for real. And then I'm going to give you real, real honest feedback compared to other people. They just want to come in, get a sweat, hang out with people and just do it for fun, you know, which is cool too. And then you're not so hard on those. I think, I think some gyms are one or the other. They're completely hobbyist. They're where it's completely, okay, we come in, we fuck around. What do you want to learn today? Let's learn some ankle locks. Okay, sounds good. They drill a couple ankle locks. They're laughing, giggling, talking about the day. Roll a little at the end, which is cool too. And then some gyms, it's like, hey, don't fucking talk to your partner about other shit. Talk about the technique and drill. Silence while we're drilling. Let's drill the move and we're going to perfect it and we're going to get really good. Um, But I think our, I think our gym and I, I, I try to be good about just welcoming both. Like, hell yeah, you just want to get, get in shape, have fun, let's do it. You want to come in and get serious, let's get serious. I think that's important. Yeah, I think it's like a good balance of both because everyone feels welcomed. Yeah. It's not like so just like go with the flow where it's like no structure and it's not like so strict to where it's like intimidating or people aren't having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I feel like some people come in like, I feel like for me, when I came in, I was just like, I just want to learn how to defend myself. But then I realized, like, oh, I'm pretty, like, decent at it. And then especially when I moved over here with, like, uh, to your gym, I felt like I just, like, my game was just, like, you know what I mean, through the roof. Because I just, I I didn't know nothing about jiu-jitsu, you know. Like, I was just, like, I think it, I had a very, like, naive, like, look at it. Like, I, oh, every gym's the same, you know. Like, I didn't know there was, like, a high level black belt or there was levels to black belt you know what i mean i just thought yeah. once oh, you're a black belt you know everything yeah yeah that's what i always thought when <laughs> yeah. i first joined like oh i just want to learn how to fight you're a black belt i'll just learn from you so transitioning over here it's definitely like you know what i mean yeah help it helped you mm-hmm. yeah you don't really realize like with anything when you first start you're like go to someone and they might be the best or they might just be okay at it but you don't yeah. know any difference because you're just starting exactly yeah it, yeah it's interesting just I guess being a being a coach, but I feel like there's so much, so much I've learned from just being a coach and helping these people. It's and it's forced me to level up so much. Um, yeah, learning how people, how people think, how people tick, how how certain people take in information, how some information just goes one through one ear out the other on people. Um. Yeah, it's really forced me to keep learning and keep growing. And this podcast too has. Knowing I'm gonna sit down every week and talk and talk 
just shoot the shit. It's forced me to keep reading and keep learning and keep doing shit. That's why I like doing it. Um, yeah, that's that. That's fucking that. We're at 44. 44 minutes. Perfect. Uh, today, we're going to go... After this, I'm going to go help Sean spar. Probably just spar. We'll probably hit some pads and then spar one round and then hit some more pads. Um, yeah, everything's fucking dialing in really good for him. It, it, I would I would expect the way this fight camp is going to see a really sick fucking KO at UFC 269. Um, it's going to be sweet. We were going to go to Jack Harlow. Had tickets for Jack Harlow last night, but he didn't go on until 9. And we're old folks now, so that's way past our fucking time. So we didn't go to Jack Harlow. Um, we decided to get some rest. After sparring, I'll we'll come to the gym, teach the gi lessons, and then we'll teach the no gi lessons. We have a bunch of the people getting ready for the no gi state and then the gi worlds. We have a handful of guys going to that too, so uh, we'll get busy. Okay, like I said, if you if you enjoy the podcast, if it helps you at all, um, like and subscribe the page it helps for almost 10,000 subscribers and then uh patreon that's right communicate with everyone any everyone who can't train at the gym and wants to communicate and talk about shit and ask advice you can send videos and then i'll dissect them or what or whatever tons of videos uh cooking vids tons of shit going up on patreon and then the new new merch is out too the new hoodies the tie-dye hoodies and then the new like Harley Davidson style Red Hawk Academy shirts. TimboMerch.com, check it out. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. Peace.